Assalamu alaikum girls. I hope you're all in the best of health and iman inshallah. Welcome back to another episode on the E Muslima podcast. I'm really excited for today's episode because I actually have a special guest speaker with me today and her name is Mindful Muslima Speaks. Some of you girls may already know her but Mindful Muslima is a beautiful uh, platform that is run by this beautiful sister and she is honestly very inspiring. She has so many, you know, words of wisdom and she does talk a lot about, you know, things such as relationships, marriage, how to find yourself as a Muslima and just growing and, you know, trying to find your own satisfaction within the deen rather than the dunya so honestly like growing up like whilst I was listening to like podcasts as I was growing up I absolutely loved listening to her and still till this day I've been listening to her for like the last few years and she has really helped me so much so I do highly recommend to go and check her out because I'm really excited that I have her with me today and we're going to be talking about amazing topics such as how to find yourself as a Muslim woman how to be confident in your identity and obviously the importance importance of having a community and support around you and how to stay strong during difficult times. So we're going to be talking about different aspects today but I'm really excited because the whole theme of today's podcast is to talk about how to find yourself as a Muslim woman because that, that is what my whole podcast caters to and specifically trying to be confident in your identity especially when you are in an environment that you don't feel like you feel that supported in, you don't feel like you can be so positive about your identity because other people People aren't like you so it's amazing to see that self-growth happen and identify your self-growth as well but in order to be confident it's important to have that self-growth journey so that's what we're going to be talking about today inshallah assalamu alaikum sister wa alaikum assalam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh happy to be with you it's really exciting to have you here honestly you're a big inspiration to me and i know for a fact that a lot of uh, my listeners you know listen to you and they take inspiration from your podcast as well so i'm really grateful you know to be speaking with you here today um so obviously the whole topic is to um identify ourselves as muslim women and what that means to us and how important our identity is when it comes to our daily life but also when it comes to our purpose and that is obviously to be worshiping allah um so i first of all i just wanted to ask you i mean why is appreciating your identity as a Muslim woman important? Uh, SubhanAllah, that's a really good question. Um, I think it has so much to do with what happens after that, right? Like mm -hmm. if you appreciate yourself and you like yourself and you're okay with your identity as opposed to not, it really just dictates the way you're going to respond to the world, right? The way you're going to engage at the workplace, at university, the way you're going to, you know, engage with um, anyone outside of your circle or within your circle, the way you, you carry yourself, um, it trickles into every facet of your life. So I think when we are uncomfortable with it, or we don't know it so much, it just put us in a position of weakness. And I know mm -hmm. one thing that we try to do at Mindfulness is to kind of like help women feel empowered and strong and so it's so funny because one of the first things that we talk about is is helping them be comfortable with themselves it's so important to make sure that you are happy with your identity and i think it's a ever-growing journey because i feel like you can't just be happy straight away and be comfortable in your own identity i feel like it doesn't matter if you were born muslim or if you you know recently turned into a muslim everybody needs to find their own islam and i think you know being confident in your identity as a muslim woman that takes time and there's a lot of learning curves as well 
but I feel like once you master it but then I don't know if you can master it because I again it's a self-growth journey but like you were saying once you start to identify the values and the characteristics of how you should be and how you should conduct yourself it kind of makes your perspective change as well so the way you see this dunya might not be the same way as you see the dunya as the next person or a non-Muslim, for example. And then obviously that affects your relationships, how you speak to people, how you speak to your parents and just setting boundaries in place. So, yeah, you know, it's really important to have that identity as a Muslim woman and being confident in that identity as well. So I wanted to ask, how do you think, like, how would you find yourself as a Muslim woman? So a lot of girls, especially on my podcast when they you know reach out to me there's this common theme of all of them going through their self-growth journey and trying to be the best muslim that they can be but sometimes they might have lack of support they might have grown up in a society that probably doesn't support muslim women um some women can be you know often find themselves as alone or their family might not support them you know if they're you know they reverted so I think my question to you is how can we tell sisters and how can we help sisters to find themselves help them identify how they can be the best women they can be in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like how can we find ourselves as a Muslim woman what I think is you know subhanallah and, and I don't know if everybody realizes this who's ever listened to me but um as a child I actually had really low self-esteem um I guess my parents were rather hard on me and you know so one or two of my parents came from a, a, an abusive background so um, even though they didn't mean to speak certain ways, I think they they, they did in a way, and, and it did affect me as a child. And then so as I grew up, I started to feel really self-conscious. I know I went through like one period, for example, as a girl, and you know, that's hard, like, and I was a little bit overweight. And then when I was overweight, I felt self-conscious. And you go to school and you get bullied, and then it just like exacerbates your feelings that you already have. And so subhanAllah, as time would pass, I would start to like go into my shell. And then I would, I would, you know, this was maybe like middle school-ish. And then when I went on to high school, it did get a bit better. But what really happened was I, I, I did two things that I think really, really helped me because now obviously I'm like speaking publicly all over the world or I'm constantly in, in front of thousands of people. And by the way, when I first used to speak in front of people, I had such incessant shaking. Like, you know, if like you were, I was on a podium and yeah. I'm, if you imagine me holding the podium, I had to like grip the podium because because my hands are shaking so much and my voice and I would almost start to break down in tears every time I spoke publicly. I know people see me speaking so so easily now, but just so you know, like so they know like that has not always been the case. And mm. actually it was like I had like horrific stage fright. So that's just a little note to other women. Like if you're ever at a place where you don't feel happy where you are and now subhanAllah, you think you're never gonna get there because you didn't have some amazing, you know, building blocks or foundation. Like I definitely didn't have that. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you're, you know, talking about how you were shaking and obviously I think um, other people's opinions really feeds into that because you're worried about what other people will think. And I think that is actually one of the first steps. I mean, it's a very hard step. I wouldn't say it's the first, but I'd say I think one of the steps when it comes to finding yourself as a Muslim woman is to like detach yourself from the thoughts of other people and kind of just mainly focus on Allah or what is expected of you as a Muslim woman. I mean, what do you think? Because I think it's really important that if you want to find your own growth and you are trying to grow and be the best that you can be, you need to have that detachment from other people's thoughts and judgment of you. 
because then it's like you're feeding into what other people expect from you and obviously when it comes to us humans you know nothing is ever enough you know and then we get sucked into uh, pleasing people and I think that's probably one of the biggest barriers when it comes to you know finding yourself as a Muslim woman and just in general your self-growth journey yeah subhanAllah 100% and and you know it's funny I, I kind of I kind of that that's what kind of happened with me as I got older and then like I I had two major things kind of help me um like ignore people and then also like feel more confident which I guess I could share and and you know the first one is um I started to really spend a lot of time talking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone um and I started to really um giving him the opportunity like to trust him you know and and I know that like like what is the correlation there between that well the thing is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says so many times in the Quran different things that he will help us with if you do this I will give you this if you do this I will make this better if you're grateful I'll give you more like these things and as I started to read them in the Quran I started to say subhanallah what if I just tried some of them and it's almost like a trust fall I explained to people like you know and you have your friends in the back and you're like hey guys I'm gonna fall back catch me and it's either they're gonna let you hit the floor and they're gonna be like rolling laughing or they're gonna actually catch you well Mm. I almost did like a trust fall with Allah where like I was like okay I have this really big thing and I normally will react this way but instead I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna really ask Allah for help with this so I'd ask him for help with this like these types of things I felt really uncomfortable I felt shy I felt scared and I said I'm gonna trust you and I would I would start to give him um People say, like, how can I be close to Allah? How can I trust Allah more? And the the irony is you have to do it first. You almost have to take, like, a yes. leap of faith. Like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Like, I had to trust him to know how to trust him. So I would just do one thing, and then he would give me, like, ten times whatever I yeah. was asking for. And I was like, ya Rabb. And so he would do that. And, and, and so I did a bit more and a bit more to the point where I said, gosh, I just realized if I ask Allah for help, like, he's always going to come to my aid. So as I started to do things that were super super uncomfortable or dealing with people, I would find that he was just constantly covering me and supporting me. And that was really beautiful. It wasn't easy, but I myself had to take the first step. And the second one that I did was I just, I really started to, in listening to Allah, realize that I had more value. The Quran and Islam, if you really know, like our women have so much value. Unfortunately, sometimes, you know, our parents aren't the best of supporters or our friends or our extended family. And it's really easy to believe the things they say about us. But I realized that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't have the same voice that they had. And I started to take the measuring stick, if that makes sense of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, instead of measuring myself against what they valued, what they thought was good or bad, I would say, well, what does Islam say? So the, the, the more I dove into Islam, it allowed me to understand what good and bad look like. And sometimes my own family was wrong. So then I would say, oh, well, if Allah values this, I value it. If he doesn't, it doesn't. If somebody said something contrary, I'm just going to say, you know, may Allah help them. And, and I stopped being miskeen like in weak, and I started mm-hmm. to find strength in the deen and these conversations with Allah. Allahumma barik subhanallah. That's honestly, that's really empowering. Um, I think, you know what it is. I think when we're, say for example, like as a human nature, it's very normal to when we're upset to just turn turn to our friends or our parents or just those around us. And I think the reason why we do that is because in that moment when we're feeling sad or we're feeling, you know, a bit, you know, we're panicked or worried about something, that worry starts to become like our past, present, future, all 
combined and we can't really think rationally and because we can't think rationally we tend to seek to others for quick reassurance and we often forget that actually we need to be logical and so obviously I think that's why it's very difficult for some sisters including myself actually in times of need in times of difficulty it's difficult to not turn to Allah's creation instead of turning to Allah because you know when people turn to Allah obviously you need to make dua and you can't always expect immediate effects a lot of people get let down like they're going through their self-growth journey and trying to be the best Muslim that they can be and it's the whole idea of tawakkul trusting Allah and I think you need to get into that mindset of okay right I know you need to you know pre prepare yourself you need to know that Allah has his own timing okay obviously it's important to trust Allah's plan but also along with that comes with you also need to trust Allah's timing of the plan and you need to know okay right you know whatever's best for me and whatever I think is best for me is not what Allah um, sees he might agree with you but Allah has the bigger picture you know he's Al-Alim all-knowing so Allah can see what you can't see we're very limited with our vision you know Alhamdulillah we have our sight to see things and able to hear things but it's very limited like we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow but Allah does so it's about trusting Allah's timing and I think what's really important is changing your mindset but I think that's the hardest um, step but it once it's like you have half of the journey complete as long as you have that mindset because whatever you go through blessings or sadness you know using that mindset you're going to turn to Allah but how can girls especially like you know um, teenage girls you know growing up with filled with so much emotion and they're trying to you know be the best that they can be how can they develop that mindset obviously tawakkul is the main thing and a lot of people say right you need to have tawakkul and trust Allah but how do you actually develop that trust? You know, practical tips. Like how do you actually develop that trust? Because for some people, it's very quick. Other people, it's very slow. Like for me, for example, it took me a very, very long time to trust Allah. And obviously, I trust Allah. Of course, I do. But it's just the fact that having that perseverance in my trust, not letting go. So if something doesn't go my way and I'm trying to seek reassurance from Allah, instead of thinking, oh, why can't I get this now? Or, you know, why can't my problems be solved now? I need to think, okay, Allah has his you know best timing he's got his best plans he might give me a solution today tomorrow that solution might be my akhirah but it's having that perseverance in that trust like how can someone do that and develop that yeah and you know beautifully beautifully said i i couldn't have said it better with all the points about how you know that we can't we have to trust the timing and that's the hardest thing in like the fast food culture right we want everything like super super fast you just like what it's been five seconds Ugh, i scrolled three seconds it's like we have zero patience and it comes from the current social atmosphere and culture so i think just to be aware of that first like and just try not to get sucked into that but yeah for sure Okay, so when you were talking, it made me think about a time 15 years ago when I was, and I, I've told this on the podcast, I think, once, where I was, like, very suicidal. And I know that sounds crazy from a person who's quote-unquote religious. And people think that, you know, mental health issues are things that, like, people of faith should not have. But that's mm -hmm. not true because we're human. You know, even the prophet, peace be upon him, he went through a year of grief and sadness and horrible things happened to him and he had horrible feelings. But it's not about the feelings you have. All feelings are good and valid and n they're not negative. Anger, anxiety, those are all actually there to help us. 
it's but it's it's how long you stay there or, or what you do once you feel those feelings mm. that make all the difference between one person and another and so what happens is I'm there and I'm, I'm overwhelmed there were so many major things happening in my life and I felt like I couldn't stop worrying I couldn't stop thinking I need this to get better and it's not and all those things that happen to so many sisters every day and I'm on the ground and I'm in Sejude and I'm just like pouring onto the floor probably like crying into my my prayer mat and just begging a lot to give me any help and like you said it didn't happen immediately because it had to happen in a lost time but you know what if it had happened in that moment I probably wouldn't have accepted it the way that it came to me but then and like you know within a couple weeks and you know for everybody it's different but for in that particular instance it was um subhanallah I had made a lot of dua like yarab just give me whatever I need to come out of this because like that point is I was like I was like I wanted I don't know if you ever had that feeling like you were so like tired of feeling the way you feel like you want to crawl out of your own skin that's like yeah. literally the only I could like mention it like it was just so bad I was just tired of feeling anxious tired of feeling sad tired of feeling whatever I was feeling because I had so much faith but I couldn't fix something and that thing was overburdening and overpowering me and no matter what I did I couldn't stop thinking about it during the day it was one of those I just wanted to run away from my own thoughts and I couldn't so anyway subhanAllah after making a lot of dial Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and keeping with the da'a so just keeping consistent I would pull out the book of like the fortress of the Muslim and I would keep making yes. all the, the da'a that Allah said if you make these I, I'm gonna do such and such again with his promises right so I did that and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he led me to one person yeah. who led me to another and to another and I started on this journey of where Allah was like putting little bits of information like breadcrumbs in front of me yeah. now I, I I didn't know this journey was going to go on for about five years but it did but it was like a beautiful rebirth inside of me and let me just tell you the type of person I was and then the type of person I was at the end of the journey and it doesn't mean that it takes that long for people that was just like my personal um, experience and I probably prolonged it a bit because I'm I'm a love a lover of like learning so I was like oh this is great I want more I want more more. So subhanAllah, I was a person who would cry very easily, if not cry. I was going through a very horrible first marriage. And so that was really, really hard for me. And it was not going well. And I wanted out and a whole bunch of things. And so I was just crying daily. I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't stop feeling sad to, um, and I couldn't stop reacting instead of responding, obviously. But I went from that to a person who could literally turn my emotions off like a light switch. I didn't make them go away. I didn't like poof be gone, but I gained so much control. And let me tell you what I learned. And this is really good news for all the sisters. And this is very much why I do what I do at Mindful Muslim. And I focus so much on like, instead of just hitting people with like religious quote unquote things, I talked about them like where they are. Like, oh, you have this problem. Oh, you're going through this right now because no one gave me that. It's nowhere on the internet. I didn't find it for us. I found it for non-Muslims packaged in the way they have it, but I never found it with an Islamic twist. And so I needed that and no one ever gave it to me. And then I wanted other women to have it, right? So what happened was I learned that your mind is something that can be controlled. The good news is you have way more control than you think. And all you have to do is imagine that your mind is like a computer. And but imagine like, you know, the average person doesn't have so much understanding of computers, computer programs, like they're highly complicated, there's coding, whatever. But what if you did know? What if you did know exactly how to like go in, press a button, shut down the system, reboot it and put it back? You know, there's something that you could do it on, on your emotions at any given moment. 
And that's what I learned. I learned that there's a way to actually grab your mindset. And But the thing is, at the time, it wasn't in Islamic context. So I found the all of the stuff from the Quran and the Sunnah. I learned that under one teacher, let's say, for example. And then I had studied all of the, the non-Muslim realm. And then I took the knowledge and I sat there and I put it together. And that's like literally what I teach today. And so, subhanAllah, I don't think people realize the stuff I put out are my healing journeys like they're not things that i oh i'm just so amazing and i came up and i shared like no this is when i was like dragging myself through the dirt this is when i was crying all night and this is when Allah answered my du'as and then i said oh my gosh if somebody would have given that to me i wouldn't have suffered for x amount of years in this horrible situation and so the good news for women is if you learn how to control your mindset you can flick off these things and when you can do that you can rebound so much faster and not lose your salah because you're depressed for weeks like all that stuff that happens is because we don't have control of our mind and once i realized that that was the key i was able to do anything it was almost liberating i stopped caring about what people thought i realized i could stop an emotion i realized that the body was just naturally trying to protect me it was that fight or flight like psych 101 thing you learn i learned all of that and i was like oh my gosh but then I, I put it together with the Quran and Sunnah and then and then that's what I share with so many women now. And when I did that, that literally was it. That was it. And so I think what women don't realize is they all feel like they're at the mercy of their environment. But just like Ibrahim salam was in the fire and Allah made the fire cool for him. He didn't make the fire go away. He didn't put the fire out. He didn't do yes, any of that. Mm-hmm. He made him feel peace so i what i do with women now every day is i like whether it's on whatever we do like the consultation calls or the courses or whatever we teach like they just learn how even your mom doesn't change your brother your uncle your dad your living situation your husband your kids you can still have complete peace and control and then once you have that you can start working on the relationships one by one but you're no longer like smothered or taken down by them does that make sense yeah 100% I completely agree and I also think um, it actually links to what you were saying but especially like with the example of Ibrahim alayhi salam he was so firm in his belief that even his own you know loved ones like his father completely abandoned him what that goes to show is that you cannot rely on people around you and that actually linked with what I was saying um, earlier how people seek others um, especially those close to them for you know that instant reassurance but actually you have to realize and i think that's what it is a lot of people have attachment to people because they forget what the whole purpose is of why allah created them and why allah created you you know even allah talks about in the quran that the only purpose well the reason why we were made is for a test and the whole reason that we were created was because to worship allah that is our only sole purpose so it doesn't matter what we are going through it doesn't matter whether it's a blessing or whether it's a hardship and to be honest if we are going through a hardship we need to have that mindset where it's like okay let me take a step back before i start acting on my feelings before i start running you know left right center to other people i need to remember okay my purpose is in this dunya is that allah has created me and we we live in a very complex dunya where obviously there are so many different religions and faiths and so many different ideologies like I feel like there's like a new thing coming out every single day and it actually makes this dunya very confusing um, for those who are trying to find themselves because you feel like you need to be sucked in to please what this dunya expects from you like you feel like you have to be like certain people on social media if that makes sense what you need to remember is that even though people can behave that way and people may influence you in a negative 
negative way that's where you need to stop and actually have self-control and remember your purpose as well one of the greatest things that I have ever done when it came to my journey to finding Allah and I think this was truly beautiful is because you know what's funny is especially as Muslims like obviously we love Allah you know we, we're Muslims because we you know we're worshipping Allah that's our purpose so that means we love Allah right like you know if we worship Allah we love Allah okay we're Muslim we love Allah but like what does that actually mean like do we actually love Allah like how can you understand who Allah like how can you love Allah if you don't understand him and you know speaking to a lot of sisters and actually you know me going through my journey myself I've noticed yeah I love Allah but do I actually understand Allah to you know really feel that love so what I've actually started doing um, and I'm on this journey as well is understanding the names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that was the biggest and the best thing that I could have ever done for my iman and just for my growth as a Muslim person and also it has helped me significantly alhamdulillah with the my mindset I feel like I have a lot more resilience and tawakkul like genuine tawakkul we're talking about and more sabr like the sabr isn't painful anymore it's somewhat bearable I don't want to say it was my sabr that I'm going through is easy because sabr isn't easy you know it's it's a whole waiting game you know it's you fighting against your nafs it's you you know for not falling into shaitan's whispers but it's also you know it's bearable and I think when you start understanding the attributes of Allah you actually realize hang on a minute Allah is beyond our imagination he is nothing like human beings like you know for example you know we come across somebody and they're so kind and they're so lovely towards us and you know they show us some mercy and I think we get into that habit we fall into that trap where we think okay you know Allah is kind and merciful and actually we associate Allah's kindness to people's kindness because that's the only kindness that we physically felt if that makes sense and that we see but actually Allah is greater than that you know his mercy you know he's unlimited mercy you know limitless mercy so like the Allah's mercy is nothing compared to what we see um every day like that's not mercy at all and I think when you start realizing that Allah is great he's the greatest you know he's beyond that that's when your heart for like my heart especially that's when it started to find a bit more rest when I realized actually my whole purpose is to please Allah and no matter what I do, no matter what situation or sin I fall into, it's how I get back up. And I think this is where a lot of sisters, and not just um, sisters, but brothers as well, a lot of people fall into this, especially as women, we can be very hard on ourselves. And we want everything to be perfect. And we feel like if we make one mistake, we get into that, fall into that trap where like, okay, Allah won't forgive us. But actually, we don't realize that's the shaitan talking. And I think when you start understanding Allah's attributes, and the best way to do that is obviously reflecting on his names, his 99 names, and what they mean mean as well like for example one of Allah's names is Al-Ghafur you know the most forgiving and we also need to remember that his forgiving isn't the same as human forgiving you know so it like for example if you have an argument with your spouse or with your friend or somebody and it, if some people find it very difficult to forgive you know no matter how much you know how sorry you are some people can often they forgive but they might hold a grudge but it's like no matter what sin you create big or small like we are seeking forgiveness you know from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he is the greatest you know he's al-malik he's the king of all kings and somebody's so great that when he gives us something he doesn't lose anything right he's you know limitless mercy he doesn't lose whatever he gives to us and imagine us sinning in front of him but yet as soon as we turn and as soon as in our hearts when we feel that guilt 
you know, we are already forgiven, subhanAllah. And also, once we're forgiven straight away, Allah doesn't bring that up again. He won't bring up our past. And I think um, often a lot of people think that Allah won't forgive us for our sins because we've experienced in our daily lives of people, you know, finding it difficult to forgive us. And I think that's that's one of the biggest things that you need to understand is having a very positive perception of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a perception that's not only positive, but you need to completely dissociate Allah and human beings. Like the, the qualities are not the same. Of course, any you know good qualities that we have as Muslims, all of that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But it's Allah that is the most forgiving. It's Allah that is the most kind and most merciful. So I think understanding who Allah really is, it makes your heart feel so much at ease. Like you feel like, okay, like you, you know, you learn about Al-Wakil, you know, he's the most trusted, he's the trusty and you understand his name and you also almost reflect on all the times where you felt Allah's names without realizing, you know, us just recording this podcast and, you know, having the blessing to, you know, still be breathing. Like these are underrated blessings and we often forget that. And you also have to think, right, Allah is the one making us breathe. No human can ever do that. That just shows Allah, uh, Allah's capability, subhanAllah. So I think one of the biggest things I would say, especially when somebody is trying to find themselves, is understanding who Allah really is. You know, look at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation. Go outside, you know. Alhamdulillah, I actually, I live by the beach so it's very very beautiful and I always you know you go on my walks and stuff and sometimes I look at the sunset right and I think like I, I'm so in awe like I'm like Allah who, like who are you it's just magnificent and that's when you start to really deep it and you start to really think deeper about okay like you know Allah is you know the all living the ever sustaining he is the one that is sustaining the earth he is keeping this earth running so if he is keeping this earth running, bearing in mind, like the people in this dunya are actually ruining the earth, you know, with all of the side events that are happening, you know, they are, you know, destructing this earth with their own hands. Yet Allah is keeping this world firm, the earth that we're living in and all of the other worlds, he's keeping it very firm. So it, that's kind of a realization point for me where I thought, you know what, whatever I'm going through, it's like Allah, if Allah can keep this world running you no know, and a lot of people are destructing the uh, you know you know very destructive they're um hurting the world and hurting people around them yet allah is causing this world to carry on then what makes me think that he's not gonna handle my affairs do you see what i mean like i genuinely think it's just so beautiful it's such a beautiful concept when you start understanding who allah is once you do that that's when you'll find genuine love and that's when you'll start doing things for the sake of allah because allah does things for you yeah, absolutely. And you know what, as I'm listening to you speak, I'm thinking about like, gosh, you know, what makes her feel so passionate that all of this is true? What gets the fire in her belly? Like mine too. Like, why do we feel so like hard pressed? Like, yes, this is the way it is. And other people, they may or may not have that conviction yet. And the difference really is, and it's something that anybody can do, is attaining knowledge you know yes. at the end of the day like you're saying okay so when I learned this and when I did this and remember my story was I went out I went under a teacher I sat I learned when you take this step towards knowledge you know he explains that this is the way to to make real change and you know part of this is is rectifying ourselves with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there's the hadith where um it said that whoever rectifies what is between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he will rectify for them what is between him and his creation mm, or the people, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, naturally, when you go on this journey of seeking of better, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala naturally says, as a as a like a gift 
for that is a side note for that. He's going to start to fix the things in your life. So oftentimes, like people come to me, like I have a problem with, you know, I do like consultation calls and they're like, oh, we have a problem with my husband. I have a problem with my kids, a problem with mom. And, and I listen to them and I do, you know, take in all the, the things they're saying. But when we get to the point between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, often when that isn't rectified, their relationship, their salah, all those really important things. Um, and they're not even doing any type of understanding or seeking of mm. changing things from that point first. Then, you know, it's like, it's like, it's supposed to be a ripple effect. Once you do that, everything else comes. But if you skip that and you go like straight for the jugular, like I'm going straight for my husband, I'm going straight for my mom. It doesn't really work like that. Like trying to go head on, hit people and solve problems. It, it really goes back to coming back to ourself and making sure things are good. And, and the problem with that is a lot of people, one, don't want to do that because that sounds like a lot of work. Two, it's uncomfortable for people to like, gosh, I want to open that box. Like that could like all kinds of crazy feelings come out. Mm. But the thing is, a lot of with that is so merciful. If you just take that step, like one step, he says he'll take 10 steps towards yes. you. Like it could just start mm. with you just going to your prayer mat and lifting your hands in da and helping people. And a lot of people says, you know, like they really want to do everything you and I are talking about. But I just wanted to make one point about next steps like you had asked because People often think like lofty big things. Like in Ramadan, people are like, oh my gosh, I have amazing goals. And then like we hit hardly any of them. So my biggest advice for people is take baby steps. It's just that one next easiest thing that's easy for you. For example, and I'll give a non-religious example. I want to start taking vitamins and every morning, like like clockwork, I go and I get my coffee at the counter. If I know I'm gravitating towards the counter every single morning, why not put my vitamins right there? It's something where I'm already going to it. I'm not saying you should like combine vitamins and coffee, but I guess you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I'm saying like if you're already going there, make it easy for yourself. Like if, if I want to like, you know, do something on my phone, I'm naturally going to gravitate there, but I want to go somewhere else and put my mind somewhere else, like put it right there where it's easy for you to click on. Like I had this thing where I was trying to do lectures and by the time I log in, I get here, it was just such a like, oh, I don't want to do that right now. It's too hard. But the minute I put it like in my notes with the exact link and I could press it in two seconds, like we have to what we call reduce friction, make the new next thing we're trying to do super small, super easy. Otherwise, people feel overwhelmed. Like even on our website, we put like free PDFs and little things. People are like, oh, you know, what's that going to do? I'm like, that's going to get you your next first step or yeah. I make a, a class. People are like, oh, you know, I should get all the information. I'm like, that's a good way to choke yourself. You want to like wolf it all down like a sandwich in one shot. You want to like ease yourself into it. Otherwise, like a diet, like the gym, you'll just drop it after a couple days. We're trying to build the small consistent eat. So I just say to women, First, ask Allah for help sincerely alone, and then just do the next smallest, easiest thing. The beauty of the Prophet is he gave us easy things. He, he said you can take the easy way. And yeah, I encourage 100%. that to women at first, mm -hmm. just to get momentum going and to get you out that like rut, because I think it's, it's just where I've seen the most success. I completely agree with you. And I also, I think another thing, when you're easing into these, you know, baby steps and you're easing into finally achieving your goal through these steps, I think what's really beautiful is the journey. Because if you're taking, you know, little steps every single day, when you turn back and you've reached your goal, you know, inshallah, like you've reached your goal and you look back and not only have you reached your goal, maybe it is to pray your salah five times a day, maybe it's to pray it on time. But you look back and you also see how much you have developed as a character because it's not easy to wake up for fudger you know it's it's a lot of brain power and you know strong will to get up and fight against your nafs that actually you know teaches you resilience that's what you need as a muslim especially when you're trying to find yourself and identify yourself as well and appreciate yourself you need to have resilience there are going to be times where it's going to be tough 
you know, life is not a straight journey to Allah. You know, it goes, obviously, life starts from Allah all the way to Allah. But then you have to remember it's up and down. Because as a Muslim, if you really want to be the best Muslim, yes, it's important to be following all the obligatory acts of worship. But foremost, it's the thing that's going to get you to be, um, you know, so consistent with your ibadah is the skills that you obtain. So, for example, being resilient, you know, having tawakkul, having the mental strength and that courage. Think about all of our, you know, our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallam like he had a lot of mental strength he had ups and downs very you know d you know significant downs in his life yet he had that mental strength and courage and obviously now you know he's got this beautiful ending and i think we should take inspiration from that so one of the biggest things i would say is obviously when you're seeking knowledge look at the people that have come before you because they were humans just like us you know and they had different hardships just like you know compared to us but yet there's one common theme no matter what hardship you go through doesn't matter who we are how old we are we go through so many hardships but there's one common theme and that is strengthening our man and having that tawakkul, having that resilience having that mental strength and you need to identify you need to know that actually hang on a minute there will be times where i where my ibadah will not be as high there will be times where i feel like i'm very low in my iman but then that's your realization point what are you going to do about it because there's two ways that you can go about it you can either pick yourself back up or you can completely let your emotions take over you and just you know go deeper into your hardship and not actually gain anything from it and i also think people need to realize that you know blessings can be you know bad too like in a way like obviously blessings alhamdulillah that's is something that you should be grateful for but when i say blessings can be bad too for example allah could give you a blessing and then that could cause you to turn away from allah and so that's when you've probably, you've probably heard of that saying but it was like um a hardship that brings you closer to allah is better than a blessing that takes you away from allah so you have to you know realize that it doesn't matter if it's a blessing or a hardship but you need to know it's a test of iman in both aspects it's not always just hardship yeah completely and I think it's really easier said than done because in the moment we feel so overwhelmed. It's funny because today I was having a really challenging day. Um, I had some different issues from like uh, my family members and some people are sick and some people are this and everything was piling at the same time. And I could start to feel my body well up. And that's actually like one of the things when we teach women about is like self-awareness, which is what helps with the whole uh, mindset thing I was talking about before, is that you start to become aware through different activities, whatever that we teach with like your body language. Like, for example, I, I don't know about you, but like me, when mm -hmm. I'm stressed out, I get like all the stress up in the, my shoulders, like the back of my neck and my shoulders. Sometimes I'll get like a straight up headache yes, so as soon same. as i start to feel that coming some people they get in their stomach it's usually like stomach or like back and shoulder people and so like some people get it wherever and then so i when I, as soon as i start to feel it like some people they'll clench their fists they'll clench their teeth they'll start to breathe a certain way like once you become aware of that with yourself and self-awareness of your response to frustration anger anxiety then when it starts to happen you can usually catch it as it's happening as opposed to spiral out of control feel guilty about it and make it better you know so i start to feel that in my body I started to feel myself so what I did was I started to do something that I personally do which I think a lot of people have their own ways and I, everybody I encourage them to find their own way but like I was trying to because your 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 rate of breathing is directly related to like your inner your inner like peace in, in a way and I'm not talking about anything like hokey pokey like it's a very um biological thing that when you slow your breath you slow your heart rate so I wanted to slow my heart rate down so I started to do that and then um then I started to make thicker and then I started to talk mm -hmm. to myself but I had to catch myself in the moment and that's the thing like a lot of us are not taught 
we're not taught these skill sets or, you know, we might watch something on TikTok and think that's a cute idea, but no one's taught like a full on way to manage themselves. And so I think the more I became aware of how to do that, the easier I could de-escalate things before they became crazy. And you know what it's like when things become out of hand, you say things you don't mean, people get hurt. Now that relationship is yes. messed up when it was just initially some other, your, your small problems become bigger, 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 bigger. And so I think the sooner we can realize that like, these are the things we have to do to control ourselves the better. One of the good habits that I think would really help, especially, and do you know what, sometimes I struggle with this as well, but it really does help me. Um, obviously, when you are filled with so much emotions in that heat of the moment, it's very difficult to control it. But the more practice you do, the better it's going to get, inshallah. And I think the beauty of it is, is that when you are going through hardship and you are filled with all of these negative emotions, it's important to stop yourself. It's difficult to stop yourself, but that's the thing. That's where a lot of sabr and tawakkul, that's where you really need to think, you know, logically, you know, thinking with your head and not emotions. And that's the thing with Islam. Islam teaches you to think logically about everything, not use your emotions to take over you. As soon as you, and your emotions are a very powerful thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed you with but it also can be a very dangerous thing if you let your emotions and your desire get the best of you because you need to remember and I think one of the best things that um, that I've started doing is that every single time I'm like feeling worried or distressed I stop myself and I think okay what what would Allah want me to do what is the best I can get out of this situation it's not going to be you know 100% happy ending it can't be like that it can't always be like that it would you know be very worried if somebody had that mindset that everything's going to be 100% sorted out but even though it seems so hard what is the best that you can do and I think it's really important that you have to make sure that obviously you're not hurting anybody in that process but you're also you're not hurting yourself as well and that is where you have to think of Allah's expectations of you you completely Completely disregard what other people think of you. You shouldn't even think of that. For foremost, it's what Allah expects of you. Yeah, somebody may have said something to you and you are holding your tongue back so much. I've been in th those instances where, like, for example, somebody says something to me and I really want to say something back, but I think, what benefit will I actually get from this? Like, yes, I'll, I'll feel, I guess, temporarily, I will have that satisfaction that, you know, I said something to them, but I'm not going to get any reward for it. There you go. I just, I lost something that I could have been rewarded for. I know that Allah would have wanted me to stay silent and I know I would have gotten reward for it. So you need to think about it this way. What would Allah want you to do? And actually, one of the things that I wanted to say, like moving on to the kind of like the next part and something that I think that is really important when it comes to um, self-growth in Islam, especially if you're somebody that finds it very difficult to do obligatory acts of worship. So reading Quran and your salah, I really think the best way to start really embracing yourself as a Muslim woman is adhering to the principles and the characteristics of a Muslim woman as well. And obviously there are so many ways you can do that. You can read upon, you know, the women of Islam. There are so many books. Alhamdulillah, we live in a society where you know you, there's just so much you know information out there you know knowledge is free so make the most of it you know you're you don't want to be just sitting on nothing you know you want to be inspired you want to be inspired to become a better muslim okay because you're your only person how can you inspire yourself like you were saying earlier regarding knowledge how can you actually inspire yourself to improve if you don't have any knowledge how can you increase your love for allah if you don't have any knowledge and i think a lot of people like you were saying before they like to be so consumed with so much knowledge that they start overwhelming themselves they want to start becoming this a scholar you know by night but it doesn't work that way you know our minds are so limited there's only so much information we can hold so i think if you're somebody that's really struggling to you know pray your salah start off with your character first because for example re uh, relating it back to 
the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala once you start understanding who Allah is all of his attributes are things that he loves to see in his servants as well you know he loves to see it when you know you're being merciful to somebody he loves to see when you're forgiving someone no matter how much they have hurt you you know be be that trustworthy person for that for that person keeping secrets you know making sure that you are there for someone these are things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves and the best and you know what that's basically half your ibadah done your character your character is so important a lot of people you know obviously salat that's number one and obviously believing in Allah and Prophet Muhammad that's number one but you know you can do all of those things but if your character isn't intact really you're not going to go anywhere like you, all of your good deeds that you have done they might be wiped away because of your character and I think that makes things easy when you start realizing that there's qualities that Allah loves and you start implementing them it's all about uh, you know taking the action you can say obviously setting the intentions very very important in Islam but then you need to go ahead and try your best to execute those intentions right so you know implementing those attributes that you see in Allah and that you wish Allah to give you be that person for someone else and also there's a beautiful hadith as well where Prophet Muhammad said you know one of the best deeds that's most beloved to Allah is people who are beneficial to other people to those around them and what's really beautiful is when you are you when you are a source of benefit to someone so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends you as a means to comfort someone and um, all praise be to Allah but he sends you as a means to comfort someone you need to realize and what the beauty of it is even if you don't want to even if you're having a really you know terrible day and you just can't be bothered to help someone out do it for the sake of Allah because as soon as you do that and you have that mindset you know when when Allah sees that you are giving mercy to someone you know he will be 10 times not I don't want to say 10 times but he will be even more mercy merciful to you you know if you are comforting someone he'll be even more comforting um, to you if you're forgiving someone for something when it comes to you committing a sin he will forgive you even more whatever good you give to someone he will give you more you can never compete out compete Allah's mercy and I think that's so beautiful is the fact that we get rewarded for our actions and whatever we do for our community and you know when you start being good to other people and you start you know implementing changes and you know any faults in your character if you start working on them honestly I can I can say this because I've witnessed this myself but it has it just it has the biggest impact on your iman without realizing all of a sudden when things didn't go your way they start falling into place they might not be what you want it to be but at least things are falling into place for you and i truly think that is just you know it's so beautiful having that mindset and obviously that's when you start falling in love with allah even more because you are seeing the goodness come around you just for the good that you are doing and what's beautiful is it gives you that hope that you can do your salah and you can read your quran doesn't matter how difficult it is at least you've made it you know easy for yourself yeah subhanallah and and i guess the question is like what is the the order of operations like rasul salam when he talks about like how to get to this this deal of good character one of the first things we're supposed to do is tazkiyah so when i explain this to women it's really hard you sometimes in islamic concepts of like what does that mean purifying ourselves so like i just want to become a better person i want problems to go away um i want to have a good character okay okay but where does this actually start it starts with tiskia what does that mean purification so sometimes we go into the, the whole purification of the heart people have many lectures on that but in even order to purify your heart you have to do a, a, one thing first and i'm going to say it in a way that i think many women will understand because we come from a diet culture um mm -hmm. and i said this on the, the podcast before when you are trying to bring in a new diet where you're trying to be healthier live better have a whole bunch of greens do whatever it's really really probably going to be problematic if you haven't first removed 
the ice cream and the Oreos and the chips and the Cheetos and whatever else people eat, you know, out of the house first. So part of becoming better, better character, better everything, bringing good things in is making space first for those good things. We have to clean house. What does clean house look like? It often means clearing out our social media, unfollowing some, following someone who's going to give us a better algorithm, you know, um, toxicity in situations and friends and environment. And people often get into the realm of family, not going there right now, because that's another story. But like, there's many things that we could get rid of in terms of habits and things that we're engaged in. And so if we first make room for the good, which is the actual process that the profit piece of suggests first, the, all that stuff you're talking about becomes so much easier and yeah. doable because we don't have all of the influence. You know what I mean? I think that was the big, best thing that I've ever done in my life. I think growing up, especially, uh, you know, a lot of girls know my story if they listen to my podcast, but um, I grew up in a society that was kind of dominated by, you know, a lot of um, non-Muslims. You know, I was like the only Muslim girl in my school. And I think going to university was a big culture shock because I, you know, came across Muslims left, right and centre every single day, alhamdulillah. And then obviously I was trying to, you know, identify myself, find my, I'm, I was on my journey to find myself as a Muslim woman and understanding my purpose. And I remember going on social media and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to start, you know, following all of these Instagram influencers because they're going to help me dress modestly and X, Y and Z. Like I was really excited because I felt like I belonged to that community now. Like I felt like, okay, now that I've, you know, put my hijab on this was just this was basically 17 year 18 year old Rizwana right we're talking about you know nearly like four or five years ago and I remember getting excited but then one thing I've noticed is one thing that I've noticed and this kind of just links in with my journey as well my perception of what modesty is changed massively I remember obviously initially I put the hijab on but you know, looking at influences on social media. And I, I was seeing, you know, a lot of women take their hijab off, but also a lot of women, you know, f- fashionizing their, I don't know if that was a word, but just making their hijab so beautiful that they're obviously, you know, showing their hair. Everybody's got their own struggles, right? But it was out there in public. And because it seemed so normalized, I kept saying, seeing so many people do it, you know, it made me fall into that trap. And that's when I realized, actually, hang on a minute, like, even though, you know, we're all Muslims and stuff, but there are so many sins that are being displayed online, okay? And and that's when that's when you get sucked in because when people are displaying their sins publicly, and I'm saying publicly, I'm not talking about privately, I'm talking about public, publicly, like, subconsciously, you kind of start to think, hang on, if they're doing it and they're doing it in public and everyone in the comments is clearly praising them for whatever they're doing, it makes you get sucked into that hole as well. makes you think that it's okay and that's when I realized that really you know made me fall off I I was just thinking hang on a minute this isn't right like this really isn't right and I genuinely think social media it's very important it can be used very well and it can be amazing for knowledge and for your mental health if used in the correct manner so like you were saying earlier filtering out your social media so it's purely Islamic based or knowledge based or things that can you know for self-help improving your mental health But I just felt like I had to, when I was looking at these people on social media, I felt like I had to be like them. And that was the biggest tool. That's when I knew, actually, hang on, now I'm not prioritizing Allah anymore. I'm prioritizing what I feel like I should be as a Muslim woman. So I think making sure that you are following the right interpretation of what a Muslim woman should be is so important. You don't let this get to you. That's when, at the same time, you need to be focusing on the teachings of the Quran and the Sunnah and reading upon what a, what is the ideal expectation of Muslim women that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to be. Only then, that's when I realized, hang on a minute, 
if I fall down the toxic route, the sinful route, I'm really setting myself for failure, like genuine failure, because now I'm displeasing Allah. And once you displease Allah, like that's that's a big burden. That's a burden that you don't actually realize that you have. And it starts affecting everything in your life. But when you start understanding the expectations of Muslim women, and the interesting thing is we live in a society where most of the time, whatever we see on social media doesn't actually follow the teachings of what a Muslim woman should be like. So when you start, for one thing I've noticed, when you start following what the Sunnah says about how a Muslim woman should be, how Muslims should be in her society, because the society doesn't act that way, it makes it seem very weird. You know, all of a sudden that the correct way of being a Muslim woman, all of a sudden that's weird to society because society has fueled that, you know, in our minds that the tighter the clothing, the better. And people are just doing that and they're getting sucked in. And the more you catch yourself watching these things, you don't actually realize that slowly it will start to affect you. And um, one of the things about me is I'm a, I'm a secondary school teacher, I'm a high school teacher and I work in an all girls school. One thing I've noticed, especially in young teenagers, at first when they first join high school, secondary school, they're, you know, really innocent, you know, they're happy, they've got that, you know, childlike um, behaviour, they're very sweet, but then they start seeing the older girls, you know, the shorter skirts, the more makeup, you know, doing their hair, you know, be really beautifying themselves, you know, seeing that they've got a more mature, you know, sassy attitude, and then they start being like that as well, and that goes to show, and they don't realise that that's happening to them, these young girls don't realise that these things are happening to them and once you get sucked in into people's expectations and what social media think is the way you should be as a Muslim woman that's when you've truly lost and I think it's really important to be very cautious and self-aware of what you um, come across on social media yeah I think it's true and you know a lot of people they blame social media for everything that happens to them like well you know what can I do but I think it was um <laughs> I can't say his name right because it's Greek. I think Hamza Tsortsis. I can't say him. I believe he's living in the UK. I mean, he was saying people, in, in a nutshell, like this is totally a paraphrase, but in a nutshell, he was saying like people need to stop blaming the algorithm because the algorithm is just a display of who you really are alone. Yes. 100%. Because how many times you press something, which leads to another, another is just you showing what you're watching so yeah. they're just showing you more of it so while you think it's attacking you you might have also fallen prey to shaitan and all the waswas the whispers and so in that moment clicked and clicked and clicked and clicked until you got yourself into the algorithm you're in and then you curse the algorithm you blame the algorithm but actually you've also taken hand in creating that algorithm in the choices you've made in split seconds and so i think it's really interesting how we respond to social media with this love-hate relationship but we also have to be really again self-aware of yes. how we kind of play a role in that 100% again I think it's the whole point of being self-aware of your own actions what you are watching your environment as well and the same thing goes with having that um, and this is actually going to lead on to what we're going to talk about next and that is the importance of community and support when growing up as a Muslim woman it's so important to have the right people around you now these people don't need to be um, absolutely amazing on their dean or whatnot but it's important that you have people there to encourage you to motivate you so that when 
you are hitting rock bottom, they are the ones, obviously, you know, seek guidance in Allah, but, you know, seek advice from people who are knowledgeable in that aspect. Seek um, advice from people who are actually going to motivate you. Because if you have that right environment around you, naturally, you're going to adopt habits um, as your friend. Like, I've got a very beautiful, you know, friend. She's absolutely, when I say beautiful, she's got a beautiful heart. You know, she's always, always motivating each other to do things. And I realized um, by us motivating each other, where it's, it's become part of our routine and I think again really important having that um, support system around you at the same time um, is also very very important but what I wanted to um, ask you is why is having a good community and support very important when it comes to your growth as a Muslim woman why is that so important having that support and that community yeah, that's such a great question. It's funny because when I was interviewed recently, someone had asked me the very same thing. And the more I get asked or the more I think about it, it just makes me, again, self-reflect or, you know, become more aware of how community has helped me and myself. And, for example, um, you know, like I said, myself, I know everybody sees me where I am in this exact moment. But um, there's that, I think there's that da'a too, where people say, uh, we say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, may you, may you make me better than what they think I am or protect me from, you know. And subhanAllah, I think about how long I've gotten until I got to where I am now. And so much of it has to do with the support. Um, a lot of people know that when... I came out with uh, the community that we have, Thrive Muslimah. I said it was, again, an inspiration of my healing journey. Like, everything that I do is literally just a response in my life saying, hey, wish I had that, right? So when I looked online and a lot of women called me, they were, like, saying, you know, I'm in Mexico, and I live... 200 miles from the closest mosque you know you can't imagine women mm. like this i've embraced islam and i have no support my family makes fun of me every day and the women tell me this and i have another sister who's like i have like 100 mosques around me but you know there's just this there's this this mix-up way of islam that they're practicing and i found you know the middle way and the good way and i want to follow it but i have so many cultural hang-ups from the people who are muslim around me doing the wrong thing so everybody has like their own story but either way they're being weighed down by the fact that they don't have like-minded people around them on this journey trying to do the right thing and so when i thought about you know how to help these women because they keep calling me like we do like something 100 plus countries and even on the podcast and i'm like subhanallah and about maybe a year and a half two years ago I had this idea I'm like well what really helped me and again I was thinking of that question and I was thinking about when I when I first started to find my community it was like I know this is going to date me but it was like 1998 I know that's crazy <laughs> and so I was like because <laughs> that's when I started um doing different things in Darwa and um I was put into a class it was a very small holocaust on a Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m with this with a handful of women like five to seven women and the women were from like Japan Puerto Rico Italy um you know Morocco it's just like such a UN it was United Nations it was so amazing and we started to learn together become friends and then we would bring our kids to the classes and you know sometimes they disrupt the classes whatnot but we were there laughing and learning together and Allahu Alam this Saturday I'm having my daughters like a, like a little something for her and those women are coming to my thing from 1998 because these women I'm still in contact with them not only did we still be friends this whole time but also we're still friends they, we also our children grew up together and and we would like go be together and we almost like created our own small village now not at, and I thought about like the hardest times for me I would call up one of those sisters they would help me another sister would just show up she would remind me of the ayats of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala don't worry sis it's going to be okay mm -hmm. and from that you know because like you said before beautifully um 
eat and then goes up and down until you die, right? This is the little system he told us. So having people around you, where it's expected it's going to be hard, but it brings us through. And till today, those women, like I asked my daughter the other day, my daughter's 20-something. My kids are anywhere from 7 years old to 20-something oh, years God. old. And I cannot tell you how much, um, when I've asked them, like, what really helped you? Now, I just want to, like, know, like, retrospect as a mom. Like, what really helped you? And she said the other day, she's like, you know what it is? I think it was going to school. People would make fun of me and they would tell me whatever. But I could always come back to my people, like my inner circle, which was like the group that we had made. And so subhanAllah, at the end of the day, they could still have somewhere where they felt good. And even though people said whatever around them, they knew they had people who understood them. They were like on that same journey and they made them feel good and brought them back to focus. So when I created Thrive and I was telling people this, I said, I'm going to build a global village and everything thinks I'm crazy. And then I did it and I made a global village of women and now we have it online. It's an online experience. Then we made it into an app and a whole bunch of stuff. But that came once again from my healing journey where I saw the benefits for it for myself. So what I would say to women is one, when you have that, I mean, I want you to look at where I am right now. Would I be where I am being able to leave my nine to five job? Like after a person who has climbed the entire career ladder, I've done all the stuff, all the girls want to do like, you know, get my multiple degrees, go have, like I got into one of the highest positions you can get in education in the entire country, left it all. So I could pursue something that was more meaningful to me on my own time from home where I could support people that I love and do what I love. And at the end of the day, um, I can't even tell you the immense sense of fulfillment that I have every day. Had I not had community through all of my turmoil, what was happening during that time says by this beautiful journey I'm describing, divorce, remarriage, job loss, job gained, moving 30 times. Like how many things happened within that journey, but the community held me firm. So what I would say to sisters is we are a umma of community. Like that's what we do. We are built on that. The, the prophet peace who comes said to leave the, the community is like to cut your jugular vein. It's like death yeah. in itself. And so many of our women don't have community or just have no understanding of what that means or never had it. Um, and subhanAllah for me, I attribute it other than obviously Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to so much of my success. Yeah, wow. Honestly, Allah Mubarak. That's such a beautiful. It's so inspiring hearing your story as well because it just, and I know a lot of sisters that will be listening to this, they will also feel inspired as well because your story shows a lot, you know, a sense of hope and it shows a lot of resilience and it shows a lot of trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I was going to say, um, so another question is that I wanted to ask. So a lot of sisters, including my, well, to be honest, I kind of, I think I've gone past that phase I feel like I've identified who my right friends are my right environment but how how would I know like how would sisters know which environment is right for them like obviously like you know you can be friends with Muslim people but they're not always going to be the right people for you so like how are you able to identify which community is right for you yeah that's a really great question I'm going to give you a simple gauge and you know like how you have the car and you look on the car and you can see if it's on empty or on full like a simple gauge when you leave those people at the end of the day or the gathering or whatever, do you do, do they make you feel closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or mm-hmm. farther away? Do you find yourself more inclined to salah and dhikr and remembrance? Or do you find yourself more indulgent in everything that carries you into the dunya and the busyness of life? Or did you find yourself in there backbiting? Genuinely, at the end of it, you can see the results. And there's this saying that you can see a fruit by the tree. You can know it. 
a tree by the fruit that it bears. Mm. What have they left you with? They left you with going closer or going farther. And usually you know. Yes, that's actually very true. And I feel like I've experienced that as well. Like growing up, especially when I went to university as well, like like I said, I hadn't experienced like having Muslim friends before. So when I went, I was basically like, I had so many friends at the beginning. Now, subhanAllah, I literally have like three friends. But these three friends are like, amazing like to me like you know may Allah you know be very happy with what they do because they have helped me so much when it came to my deen we're always sent you know like one thing I've noticed is um when you start realizing that your conversations are meaningful and they're about Allah and they're about striving to be a better person I feel like that's how you know you found your community because I remember like when I first started university um I, I just went with like I'll be this sounds honestly like really crazy and really really strange but and this was this was like 17 18 old me talking right I remember because that's when I started wearing the hijab and I remember any girl that I saw wearing the hijab I was like oh my god I need to be, I need to be her friend so I remember having a group of friends I had so many friends and I realized like literally like 90% of them were not good for me because that like I, there was a lot of backbiting there was a lot of gossiping slandering a lot of lies you know it was just very much um like a lot of these uh, people like there was a lot of free mixing at the universities as well and it just went against everything that like um my parents taught me but foremost it went against everything that like i was trying to look for in like in islam as well like islam tells me not to do x y and z yet i'm associating myself with people like this and i thought you know what like they're actually and th- i think that was a very confusing period of my of my life because i thought okay who is actually the right for me how can i tell who the right person person is for me and I also noticed like whenever you know there was like disagreements between people and things a lot of people would just kind of instead of trying to rectify that relationship they would immediately go for that block you know that block on social media and that's when I realized hang on a minute you know a true Muslim a true believer it will always try to reconcile a relationship to the best of their ability okay when it comes to maybe admitting to their faults whatever at least they will try that try their best and I've also noticed that especially it's not really about you know what's being said to you but it's more about actions I feel like actions show a lot and for me personally growing up I realized that the true friends that I have now and I I actually had those friends at university but I wasn't actually very close to them because I thought you know these friends are you know too religious for me all of this stuff I felt like I didn't really belong here then growing up once I started reading more about my faith and Islam and really started practicing it alhamdulillah um that's when I noticed hang on a minute these friends really bring out the best in me they really do and whenever they tell me about their journey or like what they're doing to improve their ibadah like it's that healthy not competition but it's that healthy competition where it's like okay she's doing this I want to try and be like that or even more you know striving to seek the pleasure of Allah and I think that's so beautiful when you also come together and you do it as well having friends that inspire and motivate you to keep doing the best that you can is truly amazing subhanallah um what I also wanted to ask is so obviously you know you work with a lot of women who don't have that um community and support around them so how so say for example me let's say you know I mean it doesn't really help I also live in an area where there's not many Muslims but um say if I was somebody and and obviously I'm trying to find my Islam but I have no community and support like I have nothing what can I do where who can I go to what can I resort to like what 
can I actually do to find that community and support? Bearing in mind, I have nobody around me. So, um, subhanAllah. Okay, so I'm going to speak only from personal experience and understanding because I've actually looked all over the internet and I've dealt with all this stuff and that's why I ended up... It's like so many things as a woman. I'm, I'm, this is why I guess I'm big on empowerment. I'm really big on us creating our own solutions at, at this point. I've worked in so many um, Muslim organizations. I'm not going to say the names and I've been in different um, messages and I've even been on the idaras, the boards of them. And after doing many things, I find that a lot of women, especially reverts, like I talk to reverts every day, especially reverts. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, I just embraced Islam. Where do I go? Or, or I talk to a lot of women who are born Muslim and they're like, oh my gosh, I want to come back to Dean and get more serious. Where do I go? And a lot of times I tell them to first go to their local mosque, but they don't always have that. And even when they go there, they get sometimes really curt answers. People are not cordial to them. People don't act interested. And then they get really shot down like, gosh, they didn't even care. I'm like, no, I'm so sorry. There, I do want to point this out to women. There is a problem in our community where we're not the most receptive and best of character in terms mm. of receiving people who are really enthusiastic to get on Dean. And I just want to acknowledge that so people don't think it's them. Even just today, I had sent a sister to go to a center and she's like, I've emailed them. I've been waiting for an email for like three weeks. I'm like, oh, sis, they might email you. They might not just go down there in person. Like you're better off going in person than calling and doing emails because a lot of times groups will not answer and it, they should answer. That's why in Mindfulness Mo, one of the first thing I did was I built a, like a team of women and I was like, the number one thing we're going to do is be amazing at responding to women. Women are always felt like they're not important or they get like put to the side. I was like, you're going to be really, you have to respond to them within eight to 12 hours, minimal, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was like, you have to, I made a huge thing out of it because I mm. felt it so hard. So the first thing is if you do go to reach out to local centers and things, don't feel bad when those things happen. It's actually a global epidemic with our people. So it is not you keep on going. Number two, if you are in places where there is no one, I mean, I can only speak for myself, sis. That's why I made an entire community. When I made Thrive Muslima and I turned it into an entire global sisterhood and we make it now like where women can join for free and test it out and all that great stuff and get inside. And it's funny, like just like I think three weeks ago, we, we made a telegram as a new way of communicating offline because we do like live classes and then offline. And one of the sisters, I was, I was um, interviewing some sister for like, after we have mentorship programs, like, like not a coaching, it's more like mentoring. And so anyway, those are totally free inside of the membership. And when the sister was talking to me after, she's like, I want, I want to tell you how much I love the new telegram group, but I just want to tell you women are talking so much. I felt so guilty. I had to pause my notifications because yeah. she's like, I was at work and it was like, bing, 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 bing. And I was like, girl, don't feel, don't feel shy. I actually had to mute mine too. So it was like wildfire when women found each other and they're there from like all these countries. So for me, my frame of reference was no matter what I did, I couldn't find groups that were like, would accept all kinds of women like i'd find like pakistani groups egyptian groups palestinian groups and i was like no 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 like people need to stop this this is not the sunnah i never found one in all my honesty that did that and that's why i made it myself and i encourage other women like i know you mashallah tabarakallah you're doing so many things on your own and you create absolutely beautiful things and i want to say for women if you find in your community that you don't find what you need do not be afraid to make it. I know that sounds super scary. You have, you know, the sister here, you have me, you have all the other sisters that have already paved the way and we're doing it ourselves to like, you know, call on us and ask us for advice. But imagine if so many women listening to this podcast right now created all their own things in their community. That's what I did. Instead of me just complaining about it, feeling down about it, I'm like, I'm going to make something global that women in the world can access 
And then I meet it. It wasn't as scary as that sounds. I know that sounds really scary. And I have women in it from like 100 plus countries. So everyone's welcome, even everyone listening. But I just want to say in your own community, if you don't find what you need, build it. Like, yeah. don't be afraid to build it. Get 100%. two sisters together. Get three sisters. Do a fisivilla, you know? Yeah, that's, do you know what? That is exactly why I started what I was doing because I didn't have that support or that community. So I thought, you know what? Let's build one. I think that's a big takeaway message from this podcast episode. But I just want to say, obviously, we're going to wrap it up now. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast episode. It was honestly a pleasure having you. Oh, thank you so much. And and I definitely came on too because I love what you do. And, I, and I'm so excited when I see women of your age that are so... Um, smart and so put together and just doing such beautiful things and inspiring other women and and I really really value that and so that's why we made sure that we we got together with you too so thank you so much for everything you're doing and it was an absolute pleasure to be here okay girls so that is it for today's podcast I really pray you all enjoyed it I absolutely loved making this podcast episode with mindful muslima and I pray that you all take away that you know message that beautiful message but if you are you know finding it difficult to find that community or a group of friends to kind of help you with your journey to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala build one just like how mindful Muslim has said um, really do build one and obviously take this from somebody who grew up in a society where there's not many Muslims at all I didn't have that support so I thought you know what I want to give that support back and let let me create one because that way I'm not only creating it for other women but also I'm helping myself as well so build one even if it's not big doesn't need to be big doesn't need to be global you know do it within your own community find sisters around you and really build something because there's going to be so much barakah in it if you have it um, with that whole intention of having Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the center um, so may Allah be pleased with all of our efforts and what we do for him and how we strive for him Amin. and I'm looking forward to recording more for you girls soon take care and assalamu alaikum